guys, I am coming to you once again from the floor of my parents' bathroom. Um, so this is why another episode is being recorded over Zoom. Um, this is another quarantine episode. I was so lucky to be able to talk to the artistic director and just fabulous creative human being that is Naomi Smith. Um, last week, I kind of started, in the past few weeks, I've been thinking like, what is the art department in film? That sounds cool. I don't know what that is. And so do you know what we do when we don't know where something is? We find someone and we interview them. Um, I asked some friends and Naomi Smith was brought up a few times and you'll see why. Um, she is lovely, but also she gives probably the closest to a master class in uh, what she does, which is a lot of different jobs, but she gives like a straight up master class in this. Listening to this or going into this, I had no idea. And leaving, I feel like I have a pretty general understanding, which honestly is a huge leap. Um, she's lovely, I will say. <laughs> we both have animals. You're gonna hear from a dog, some birds, and uh, a donkey on my side. Keep your ears open, little scavenger hunt for you. Um, Cause yeah, these are quarantine episodes and I think they're beautiful just the way they are. Okay, um, I love you guys. Uh, please don't forget, if you like this episode, share it with a friend. It makes me feel good, and when you tell me that you like them, I like that. Okay, I love you guys. Enjoy. Hello? Can you hear me or see me? Yes, I cannot see you. I can hear you. Oh, wait. Hey! Oh my gosh, you're so cute. Hi, I'm Rebecca. Hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to meet you. I, um... There's there's a way to record these um, just over audio with a different website, and I realized when I was recording my first person that we've never met, I was like, that's too creepy. Just like talking to like a blank it's okay. box, I was, that would be too weird. Um, where are you right now? Are you in Atlanta? Yeah, I'm at home right now. Mm, I know it's a broad question, but how are you finding quarantine right now? It's definitely not fun. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't enjoy it at all because I'm always on the go and I'm always constantly moving and being on the next project. And so now everything is at a standstill and a halt. It's kind of hard to, to keep myself busy for sure. So it, are you trying to keep yourself busy or just trying to like binge and just kind of zone out until it's over? Well, you know, I've, I can definitely say that I'm on social media a lot more than I've ever been. And I'm very inspired by a lot of artists out there that are actually staying very creative. Mm -hmm. um, I have all these plans. I just haven't quite started them yet. Um, I like to build sets in my living room and make something fun out of it and like put my friends in it or put myself in it. Like little things here and there. Like I remember doing a whole flower set for myself and it was just so much fun because I, I accumulated all these uh, fake flowers from a TV show I worked on because um, they couldn't return them. And I was like, you're not going to throw these away, are you? And they said, yeah, we don't, we can't really do much with it. And it yeah. takes too much time to just give goodwill. So I was like, can I just take all of them? And so I have, I remember off the, one of the TV shows I did, uh, I took like three trash bag fulls of just fake. And I've used them in actually 
three music videos and two photo shoots and I'll let my friends borrow them. So when I accumulate props, I kind of just share them with my friends as well. Was that in um, the, the greenhouse um, that you did for that one music video? Yes. Yeah. So like all of that is fake flowers. Oh, I actually put it in two short films as well. Wow. So I've definitely gotten some use out of them. Yeah. Floral, nature. I see um, creepily you have like some orchids you're keeping alive in the back, which I'm so impressed. With. Oh, yes. I, I love that. No, there's another one right here. Like oh, this one I just I'm got so off nice. my latest TV show. It's right here. Ah, oh, those are gorgeous. Um, these two, they're, yeah, the last TV show I was just on is Titan Games okay. season two. I was the uh, buyer for it. Um, it's a union show, so I was a union buyer. Wow. Uh, shopper. I think there's different terms, shop and buyer. It's relatively, you yeah. know, the same thing. You, you just shop, you follow a list, and then you shop around. Um, yeah, we used it for one scene. And, and then they were like, well, you know, we put it in the prop room for a while. And there were, and so the set decorator took home one and I took home one because I'm kind of thinking like the best way to start this because so far you've already said like a couple names where I'm like, yes. And what do those mean? How, mm, I don't want to make you like list them out, but there's like, there's a buyer, there's set decorator. And I feel like you, you're like a, you wear 10 million hats. How many different like names do you have on your IMDb? I should have looked that up. Um, well, sorry, my cat's like right next to me. Oh, I love it. Um, Hi guys, this is Rebecca interrupting. I can confirm that the cat Mikey is very cute. But yes, I do wear a lot of hats. Um, you know, I would love to stay with one thing, but it's not very, not very easy because I've been a freelancer for almost six years now. And being a freelancer has been a journey it's it, at first you know there's many times that I wanted to give it up and that's kind of where I started jumping around to different hats I came from the commercial world I definitely have been in the commercial world a lot longer than I've been in the film industry what what was the job you were doing in commercials well in back then uh when I first graduated out of college in 2013 I got a bachelor's mm -hmm. for commercial photography yeah when you know when I first got out, I started assisting a lot of commercial photographers, so a photo assistant, and I did that on top of food styling assistant. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that for a, a while, like four to five years. Yeah. Um, and uh, how I fell into the film industry was I started photographing my friends' short films or, you know, web series. And I wanted to help them document it because I was like, you're not showcasing the best parts about being in the film, the crew, the laughter, the, the funny moments that no one else gets to see. Like, yes, we'll see the end result. So I wanted to document it. And I loved it. I loved being able to document moments that could be captured forever. Mm -hmm. But I also found myself putting down the cam camera a lot and helping out art department. I did it so frequently that some of my friends would bring me on to other projects and I would also document it, but help them style or move things around or maybe pick up at, you know, a thrift store if we're doing our own passion projects. Mm -hmm. That started to come across me, you know, still doing food styling and photo assistant. Eventually I stopped photo assisting and just kind of went into food and props. And that's kind of where I, uh, that's where I was in the commercial world. 
Yeah. But I found out you can also bring it into the film world. And as I was kind of emailing and talking to different people of my age group, we just kept doing more and more passion projects, different yeah. things for like the festival circuits, uh, music videos. I've done so many, like just fun music videos. Yeah. I've also done a few big music videos too, usually as a set dresser. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I'll be an art director under a production designer. And with my own friends, like music videos, like I guess you can see some of the ones on my Instagram. Yeah. I production design those but those were no budget with new artists um, and the director um, who runs Iboshi Platinum um, Andrew Lee mm -hmm. he he and I collaborate a lot and we've done three music videos together um, hand in hand with production design where he and I fully kind of just go through the color palette go through the textures what does the artist want to convey? What does he want to convey? And kind of mesh all those ideas together. Um, I like how his brain works, but I also really enjoy that he hears my opinions when it comes to a creative level. Mm -hmm. um, when you're collaborating with people, not everyone will understand your creative mind. Mm -hmm. And you have to work with people that that want to hear what you have to say. Not only are you sometimes creating someone else's vision, but you want to add to a vision and make it special. Yeah. And um, as well as like a team player, like, you know, I want to hear what he has to say as well as he wants to know who am I going to bring on in my team. Mm -hmm. um, and it always works out. Like I'm sometimes just surprised <laughs> barely with no money. Like some of the music videos that have definitely been, for for art wise under a thousand dollars um and they turned out absolutely amazing uh so it's pretty incredible uh but yes i do wear so many hats from like production design art directing um between production design and um uh production design and like art directing well, uh, there is a major difference between them. So with bigger productions, the production designer is the department head. Um, they oversee the overall look. Um, usually a director and producers um, and DPs will go to the production designer and no one else to ask questions and to, they, they help build the color palette and these mood boards kind of right off the bat. So you would want to hire, you hire them first and then they kind of build their team. Okay. An art director, yes, can also be the right hand person of the production designer, but they also pay a major role in the budget and they pay a major role with how if in a larger film, you know, some of the major blockbuster films, like they pay a part with who they want to hire in graphics and in the set designer. Mm -hmm. um, and then it kind of keeps going down the, the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. So you have the production designer, you have the art director. Um, the next thing you would have under that would be set decorator mm -hmm. and then the prop master and the set designer. And with all those people, those are the bigger kind of roles in major blockbuster films. And then you have all the smaller um, team you know, like you have tons of set dressers moving furniture around. Um, 
uh, set dressers are glorified furniture mover, but in a way it's still, it's still so much fun because I've, you know, I worked on the movie Just Mercy as a set dresser cool. and, um, as like an, alt, uh, well, I wasn't the, I wasn't on the film, film the entire time. I was there for one week. Um, but regardless, the one week I learned a lot on a major film such as that, because there were just so many of us, there were so many locations being filmed and they needed multiple people in certain areas. And when we were done set dressing, the set decorator would come in and take a look at the scene that we created through her, through her design. And then the art director will also come in and take a look and they will kind of confirm how everything looks. Sometimes I remember we did this old farmhouse. Um, well, it was more like a country house um, in, in Conyers, Georgia. And the crazy thing was this area, this house, um, we followed all of her directions and uh, she came in the set decorator and she looked at everything and she's like, no, this isn't going to work. We have to move everything out and do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, with the same furniture, but just moving it in a different place. It's, um, like, I just kind of liked how she walked in and she just knew it wasn't going to work and she didn't want anyone else to see it. She didn't even want the, uh, our director to see it yet. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of just, let's keep moving. Let's keep, um, making this work. And, uh, by then it was already, uh, 12 hours. So, you know, some of us already had to leave, but then another group will come in. So those that already worked past a certain number of hours, mm -hmm. kind of new people will come in too and kind of move things around. As set dressers, did you buy the, like, did you buy the set pieces or were you just in charge of putting it into the room? Like you were told, uh, with set dressers, you, put it into the room as you're told. You would go into the lockup, which would be a warehouse where we keep all of the props, all of the furniture that we have either rented or bought. There would be aisles and aisles of Jeff things that are organized, aisles of lamps, aisles of couches and side tables and um, coffee tables. Then you have an entire aisle of knickknacks and smaller chotskis that fill in, like kind of like my bookcase. Like you think about all these little aspects that play into whatever story it may be. Mm -hmm. With Just Mercy, it was a, t a period piece in the 1980s and it was focused in Alabama during that time. So you kind of had to have certain aspects that really bring in that Alabama field, mm -hmm. that feeling when you're here in Atlanta. <laughs> How did y'all do that? Was it, was it like making some of your own, was it making some of the own props or was it like, scouring antique stores or a lot of research what usually goes into that kind of stuff um i can't speak for the uh set decorator for that film in particular because i wasn't very close with her i did watch her from afar and i can assume that they did that she and her team did go out and buy a bunch of antiques from thrift stores, Goodwill, or you can also rent a lot of them through the prop houses, you know, such as Caps. Caps has like, uh, Caps is actually in my backyard. Like I'm one street away from Caps. Perfect. So you can go into a prop house and use items that fit for that period, that moment, that, uh, 
whatever, whatever film you're doing, whether it's modern, whether it's country, whether it's rustic or avant-garde, it could be, it could be anything. And you just kind of have to go and find it. And that's what takes a lot of time is building, building the, all these items. Like when I did a couple of short films for festivals, Mm -hmm. like there was this uh, festival that I did it was called 83 days and I production designed that one that one's also a period piece it was about George Steiny Jr and with that one it was such a um a hard one to do because it that the period is much older um that we collaborated with the sheriff from Eatonton Georgia he had a lot of his own antiques and then two antique collectors in Eatonton, Georgia that allowed us to use their props from their store and they knew exactly the time the period these textures that worked for that specific error mm-hmm. um, and so as a designer I worked with a few group of people to make sure that it was as authentic to the times such as the sheriff's uniform and their badges to the guns that they were using. Um, And with safety precautions, all the guns that were presented were not allowed to be touched because they're real guns. Um, So they're more of just a display um, Mm -hmm. in the situation. Um, Then you had like the office with all of the office furniture and the Uh, writing utensils to the paperwork the color of the paper you know wasn't crisp white back then it kind of had this uh it's kind of like a cream color Mm -hmm. um and it's not perfectly clean either Mm -hmm. and uh what else did we do with that one oh I remember the most important prop was this electric chair that George does um unfortunately he gets killed in and I had to modify this electric chair um, and build this headpiece that is put over his face. And it was, that was one of the hardest things because the fact that it's, um, it's based on a true story. I would have to say that's one of my most difficult stories that I've ever had to do was to try to execute a story that was based on true facts and to try to make it as true to pop, uh, to its actual facts. The director, you know, I was honest with him. Um, I didn't want to see too many videos. So he described it to me and I kind of came up with what it looked like because I, uh, it was hard for me to look at something like that, Mm -hmm. but I still did it because I wanted, it's, his name got exonerated in history. um, so that that's a major important aspect of it and when we were working with the writer as well he had also a lot of say to what he felt comfortable in the props with the book he wrote about george mm-hmm. so and um i know with that with that short film 83 days it won i believe 12 awards for that so dude so- i don't know if it got out of festivals yet but I, for a while for for booked up to 2 years it was in festivals wow so what is it about that short film or something else? Because you talked about getting started with passion projects. What's mm-hmm. something about a project that makes you go excited that you want to make some, uh, be a part of it? 
Oh gosh. It's, you know, nowadays when I work on a project, I, I definitely have to read the script um, and the inspiration behind it. I, I asked a lot more questions than I did back then. Um, what would be their inspiration on shots? Uh, their color palette? Um, do they allow me to kind of build this, this whole world? You know, some directors already have this vision that they want to convey. And if the director is usually passionate about their vision, I start to get passionate. I'm an empath, so I start absorbing all this excitement mm -hmm. through the director most of the time, or the producer, or both of them, usually in a meeting, face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. um, and I start to kind of just absorb it. I, if they're excited, I'm usually excited, and I would like to hear more. Um, and even if I didn't have the time to do passion projects, because a lot of them are not paid, I always refer like my friends that I know would have the time to give to something like that as well. Um, what's always exciting, like, for example, with the company I mentioned earlier, Aboshi Platinum, with Andrew Lee, I can 100% say anything he does, I would be a part of it because I like his visions. I've always liked all of his visions. I like how organized he is and the team, the team he always builds. Even though they're different teams on different projects, um, he has so much support and we are always uh, taken care of no matter what. And in general, we're also working together. There's no yelling, there's no cussing, there's no crazy, un uncomfortable thing. There's not even extreme overtime. There might be a few like moments, but we always try to keep it under 12 hours. Um, and it does work if you have a good AD, if you have a good producer um, and a good coordinator behind all of it that wants to make sure we get it done. You know, how many shots can we do? With the last project with, Iboshi, they did uh, this music video called Mimosa by the artist Smalia. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, towards the end of the night, we shot on the Super 8. And with film, there is no mistakes because there's only so much film that we have. Mm -hmm. And so they did two takes of certain things, but it was fun watching the girls dance and have fun and just be themselves in their own video. Uh, so that was something that I, I definitely enjoyed was one hearing that film like kind of happen on the super eight in front of me to all the props that I brought in. Um, and also seeing the artists, or anybody or even actors really enjoy the world that I create. Mm -hmm. Um, that makes me feel really good. Um, when you're creating your world, um, what do you begin with? You, you've been talking about like color palettes. Do you think a lot about light? Um, is it more mood energy or do you start with an idea? Where does it usually get started for you? Well, um, with any project, uh, most of the time there is a script. <laughs> so I start yeah. off with the script. I read that and I dissect it. I break it down. Um, first, I break it down by all the visual aspects of it, props, color, um, and textures. If I see any textures in my head when I'm reading, it's kind of like when you're reading a book, what are you visualizing? After that, I would go back with what I'm seeing in my head and I would ask the director, you know, 
what is going on in his head when he created this or with his other writers as well. And so we both kind of combine because they want to know what I'm seeing when I read this script. What, what's going on in my head? What colors am I feeling? And sometimes I will have to say the director and I might not always see the same colors, mm-hmm. but th- some of the colors that I, I, I think in color, I will have to say my favorite class in college was color theory. Like I just got it. Everything oh. makes sense. And I didn't realize even since I was younger, color and texture has always played a big part of my life. Like I, I just see so much all the time. I can walk outside and just look at the tones of color in this world and try to, I really look at the real world and try to create back the tones that I see if I can do it. And that, that is one of the major challenges. Um, and after that, it's like, I'll start pulling inspiration pictures or I'll ask the director, you know, pull some inspiration pictures and we kind of come together and bring upon what we're coming up with. Mm-hmm. And I always photograph all of my props and all of the things that I find. Um, you know, when the, in the last video we were doing kind of like a tropical, like she was singing about peach mimosas in, in the music video. So like I kept thinking peach and like these warm tones, but also I kept seeing tropical fruit for some reason. Mm -hmm. So I started bringing some tropical fruit into tropical fruit elements and kind of making this garden. um, Cause it starts off with this very Southern soul food diner that kind of flips into her own like world. And I would love to show you this video. It's, it's, it's yeah. fun. And I, I also like the lyrics because it's also about empowerment and enjoying life and, and feeling good. So like for the different shots of the music video, are you and the director coordinating like, okay, now we're gonna have a shot of the diner, now the table, or is it more the director telling you when the shots are gonna change or the vision's gonna change? and then you kind of help create that world. Does it depend on who you're working with? It does depend on who I'm working with. I would have to say majority of the time I do not get the shot list right away. And I will, that is the number one thing I ask for from the beginning. Uh And I'll ask that question till I get the shot list. (laughs) It is the funniest thing. It's like, it's like pulling teeth. Um, and why don't they want to give it to you because because it changes so um usually it's the director and the dp that are coming up with it as long as as well as the ad that in the producers that when they're talking about this what do they want to do first what is going to save time um so much of this i don't really need it till the very end so it's like you know, it'd be nice if I could see what they were looking at in the beginning, because at least I see some form of structure. Most of the time in the beginning, a shot list isn't even created yet. Like if you have the script um, and they're still hiring department heads, you're not going to get that for a while. Um, That's why I need to, every time when I reread a script or a vision and every time it changes, I have to go to the AD or the producer and I'd be like, has anything changed? in the script? Have we added new scenes? Have we taken away scenes? 
Um, do these props still apply? And all of the above will happen mm -hmm. from like scenes being thrown out because our budget is going above the uh, the minute on the maximum that we can even spend. So some scenes we might not be able to do anymore. Um, and, you know, because we need to save time and money and paying the talent or whatever, or even the hairstylist or makeup, if there are multiple scenes and changing a look or an outfit. So there, there's just a lot to think about. Usually on the day when we shoot, that's the last time I'll ask um, yeah. for the for the shot list. Sometimes I'll get it. Sometimes I still won't. And then I have to just go with my gut of the whole script that I've been reading for what, the last few weeks of my life. I take a lot of notes. Um, there's so many journals and binders and clipboards that I carry. If any problems were to arise, I have to solve it very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. If I don't have the prop that was the hero prop, I better find a substitute that would work like a hero prop so most things that an actor or a talent would touch or convey like a self that count yes that's that can definitely be a hero prop because okay so every time when you see a phone and then you see like a text message pop up on it that could be special effects but it could actually be a text message that's being sent like three feet away Mm -hmm. And they're just like, da, da, da. And then the camera's focusing on the phone. Mm -hmm. um, it could also be as simple as um, a letter and a pen. And the talent has to physically write whatever they're writing on the paper. And then, you know, maybe the prop person will be over here ready to put a new piece of paper on there just for them to write it again. And that might be done like seven or ten times. Yeah. Um, but most of the time that's not going to happen because I did, I did a, uh, one of the PlayStation pilot, um, and she's also, there was a scene where this girl in a beautiful red dress is writing a letter and, you know, of course she's not really going to be writing. So I, she is writing it, but she's not writing the whole thing. So I rewrote everything like all the way towards the end of the letter and then like she signs it or she's writing the last sentence and then she signs it and you know folds it up and puts it in an envelope or something like that mm. but that that same situation has to happen till they get the shot and so I have to have all these backups of various things yeah as you know, I'm like, I don't know how many times they're going to do this shot. That's the, that's the big question. Yeah. How long does it take to get the shot? Cause with props and with these moments, like with what I just described, I was the prop master on that short film. So I was in charge of it, but you know, with other situations, I'm the department head. And if I'm the department head, someone else is in charge. I've put somebody else in charge of that mm. prop or that this or whatever. And then, so I have to make sure they have enough extra, but you know, there could be moments where we're using breakaway glass where someone takes a glass and they throw it and where there's only so much that we can buy break one breakaway glass is expensive. So let's just say how much did we, were we able to buy in our budget? Let's just say we were able to buy five mm -hmm. and I have to fully just tell the AD, you have five chances to get this shot. <laughs> and, 
and it's like that is something that's important that an ad would need to know like we only have five props you know please make sure that you know we'll let the talent rehearse with something with the same weight it wouldn't be the actual product but we would take like an item and we'd be like here you go you know practice with the weight of this glass if you're going to throw it we'll take something like maybe something that's plastic and we'll we'll aim for the same spot over and over again of where they're supposed to throw it as a rehearsal or practice and then we give them the real thing and then they do it mm -hmm. and you know this is also communication with actors you know how comfortable are they with it? Mm -hmm. um, when I was assisting on another feature as um, a prop master assistant on this um, feature that involved the military and I was, it was more of today's military, um, the army specifically and their specific guns that they use. Mm -hmm. And there's like, um, inoperable guns that we're using and we're handing these guns to the talent and um they're supposed to feel the weight of it like they're it's weighted and so you you make sure that they kind of get comfortable and pulling this out and then like doing the action over and over again and you allow to make sure but you know when they are done with the scene when it comes to weapons we take it away like they can't hold on to it if they're not like if they're not doing the scene mm -hmm. wow it's just it's just more of a, a policy like uh with most safety precautions you when when the scene is done they give it back to us and we put like weapons most weapons in a safe area like knives any sort of weapons guns somewhere where no one can see it touch it or play with it only the department with those props with those weapons mm -hmm. are set aside safely because we don't want anyone to get hurt yeah that's such an amazing job because who knew like going from like working on like oh the right paper with the right penmanship oh also i'm dealing with heavy firearms like it's a job where you're doing like a whole mess of things um because you've done food styling you often and i've worked with a food blogger and she's a gorgeous food photographer, food stylist. I'm learning. I have so much respect for it. It's such a hard job. Um, have yes. you? Yes, it is. It's a very hard job. Cause like anybody that's listening, just think of something you've cooked for yourself. You're proud of it. So you take a picture on Instagram and it always looks disgusting. And that's why there's someone, um, if you're working on props, does that sometimes mean you're working on food? Oh, uh, props. Well, in the movie world, food is part of props it's under the prop department with commercials um food is its own world mm -hmm. food and props are always separate um that's why it's very interesting because when i'm on when i'm working with props now uh, i work along the food stylist like the last thing i just did would be like crystals she was styling the um the little burgers and the little like pups and I brought along these um these white blocks that they would be set on and I bought these plates from Target specifically that would work for the scene for crystals and something like that like and like together 
the the food stylist would let me kind of help her with different things and you know since I knew she didn't have an assistant with her I would also know right away what I can do to help her versus like in the film world you're really supposed to stay under your department um like you don't normally help other people especially on a union shoot you stay within your department only mm -hmm. um but with commercial there, yes, you can stay under your department. It's respectable, but everybody has their own kind of set of roles. And I'm so used to helping others just by like, oh, if I know, um, you know, if she's in her hands, like messing with all this grease, like I'm just going to go over and grab a paper towel. And I'm like, she's about to like, she's going to need to wipe her hands. So something as simple as that. Um, because they're right there, but I usually already know, uh, mm -hmm. just as that simple help. Yeah. Um, the last thing I did too, last year, a big, um, a big shoot. So before September, not September, <laughs> November, yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm thinking of two commercials right now. Um, last year in November before Thanksgiving, I worked with a production company that, um, had, honey baked ham as a client mm -hmm. and so they hired me to do the props of this big thanksgiving feast which i was very excited for love i loved no i was like i'm going to go one i had to rent a table like it wasn't a small table it was a conference table it was huge yeah. when they told me they're like a table that can sit at least people has like eight people i was like okay and they asked me like we're going to be doing feasts and i said well how many main course and side dishes are we having i was like honey baked ham has all these dishes and they were like we're doing all of them and i was like okay that makes sense now <laughs> um so i had to i was like well what's their inspiration what's their color that they're looking for well honey baked ham naturally will always have that burgundy that's just what they have that's part of their logo so we want those hints of burgundy in there, but it can't be overwhelming because it's fall. So we have hints of orange and some yellows. And then on the table, are we going for more traditional Thanksgiving or more modern day Thanksgiving? Like I had to know the difference. And those were all the props I had to buy. And with that, I stuck with two stores. I stuck with majority of my stuff came from Target. Target had a great selection of plates and um, placemats. I even bought different silverware, silver and gold. I did use gold silverware and it looked great. Um, and while I'm doing all of this, I had all these props, but I had to collaborate with the food stylist because the food stylist was there too. And so we both chose out all the plates when we were done choosing the plates, we had to get it confirmed while we were shooting. We're like, okay, we brought all these things. I had four tables of just props alone. You know, those big fold out six foot tables, four of them just covered in just props. And then I look over there and it's four tables of just food and all of that stuff. So we needed to know how long it takes for each side dish to be made. Um, whether it's going to look good as it's cooling down because they are cooking it and it is all of honey baked ham stuff they actually didn't do anything crazy to their food they don't do anything crazy at all it's all real it's real honey baked ham food but what we did was we take 
Because when you go to Honey Baked Ham, you buy the frozen, like frozen side dishes and you bring it home. And the ham is presented in like a package mm-hmm. and you take it home. But with this, we dress it onto the plate. Teaming up with the food style is knowing exactly do this and do that and put it all there and just hope that everything will be like perfect. Well, we have really, what was it? Four or five people that are the clients and the clients last year were sitting in their own little corner. Mm -hmm. And then when we get them, we ask them to come over and like look at everything before we put the food, like they have to approve the plates. Wow. And they're like, Oh yeah, like this or like that. And so we had to do the whole order for that day in the very beginning of the morning. Mm-hmm. Also hoping that none of it will change. Yeah. Because there's a moment where they'd be like, well, you know, I'm not sure about this plate. And it did happen. I think I prefer this one. Is that all right? And we're like, yeah, that's fine. I'm glad we know right now. <laughs> like maybe an hour or two later, at least the food wasn't on there yet. Right. So that is just something that I remember doing, but that's one of my my more favorite shoots mm-hmm. is Honey Baked Ham. The other favorite client that I loved working with is I loved prop styling for Cinnabon. Mm. Uh, last year was the first time that I styled some for all of the stores nationwide. It was uh, the visual display of these small little vignettes of these scenarios of like a mom and a kid and like a family and the girls and you know people are walking in and they're like oh we have some cinnabons here's this cute package we brought this to you as a gift um so something like that there's different scenarios the average uh, scenarios we do is between three and four scenarios in a day just so we it's not just a family thing it can be a couple's thing it can be um girls or guys or you know it can be a dessert mm-hmm. um something like that so we're creating all these different scenarios that people would actually probably use it for so how do these companies find you reach out to you is it just the more you've worked in the film commercial world the more connections and you just keep getting referred how does that how do they how did cinnabon find you i guess Oh, well, um, I work under a production company, so it's really the production company okay. that has known me for a while. Also, what you just said, referral-based. Yeah. Um, sometimes um, with food stylists, they'll refer my name for props if they enjoy working with me. That has happened a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some of the mentors I've had as well in the past, um, if they can't do the job, they'll actually refer me um, to sometimes do the job as well. And I've gotten a lot of jobs actually through some of my mentors that I've had in the past. And I'm very thankful for their support and their kindness and just believing in me. So that is definitely, I would have to say most of my jobs are referral based Mm -hmm. and without, I guess the appreciation and thanks of everyone. Like uh, every time when I get a job from someone else, mm-hmm. I usually personally write them uh, like uh, an email mm-hmm. or I immediately thank them and send them like a voice message just saying like, I'm so happy. Thank you for mm-hmm. at least believing in me and being, yeah. being. Yeah. So um, because the film world, it is called, it's so referral. If someone's interested in like getting started, because I know that the film world, it feels so tight. What would you suggest? Well, um, just like with most people who have reached out to me, I would have to say just 
just contact people. Back in the day, about five years ago, I looked up various people um, in the Atlanta community that I was able to get a hold of and maybe like I'll send them a personal email. I wouldn't say this always works, but sometimes it does. It's kind of a hit or miss situation and maybe where other people are in their life. If they have the time to meet with you, maybe, you know, at a coffee shop or even for lunch, just pick their brains, like really just be honest and be like, hey, I really love your work. I would love to pick your brain. I'm starting out. And I really would love pointers, advice, suggestions. Mm -hmm. And there are some people out there that, would love to help newcomers. And, you know, I would have to say that a lot of people have helped me. A lot of people gave me an opportunity and a chance. Um, maybe it was luck. Maybe it was in just at the right moment where people just slowed down and they, they weren't working as much. And they're like, yeah, I'll, you know, it's, it's fine to at least talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, emails, or even sometimes I've done cold calling. Um, that was definitely suggested when I um, when I was in college. The teachers would tell us to cold call. And I kind of took it pretty seriously. And I think yeah. I cold called probably a lot of people. Believe me, a lot of people did not reply back. Yeah. And, and then someone else told me um, like three years ago, they're like, well, if you already have their number and they gave it to you mm-hmm. um, and you've met them before, just text them. And I was like, what do you mean text them? And they're like, well, just text them. You know, people check their text messages, you know, for all you know, they might not reply. They, they might reply. Yeah. And I was like, um, okay. And at first, like, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. But then I tried it a few times, mm-hmm. but I only like, tried like four people and it it did work yeah sometimes text message isn't it's informal you know if they don't want to reply they're not going to regardless and some people will and and it's kind of nice like I got a chance to have I got to a chance to work on one one day with this set decorator her her name is Lynn Mitchell and I'll never forget it mm-hmm. I got her name from a DP that I highly respect he gave me her contact and I called her. I spoke with her for two minutes and she had to be back at work. And I was just like, she's like, just call me again. And I was like, okay, when? And she's like, oh, just give it a few days. Like, I'm, it's just really hectic on this feature. I said, okay. So I gave it a few days. I called her again. And she's like, well, what are you doing uh, tomorrow? I was like, what do you, uh, I'm free. Yeah. Do you want to work on a set? And I was, she's like, are you a union member? And I said, yes, I am a union member. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, so I woke up. I will never forget this. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning to okay. drive to Buckhead to, to uh, meet up with a person I've never met. I got in their van and drove to the set. Then I'm, and they're like, uh, you know, I got these names. So I kind of do a lot of these things blindly. Mm-hmm. Got in this van. We drove to this set, this big, big man- mansion. And the set is, uh, the whole movie is for a feature film called Napoli Ever After. Yeah. Yeah. So I did one day with that and we arrived to set at 
five o'clock and that's when everyone arrived. It was like the buyer had their own van, the art director had their own van. Um, the uh, set decorator all came in, all these vans came in all at once. And then more and more people just kept coming. I was like, dear God, how many more people are on this crew? And by 12 o'clock noon, it was just like, I think it was like over a 200 person like crowd of people. It felt like there was just a lot. It was like the talent, the extras, all these set dressers just dressing everything. What we dressed was the, um, the reception after the wedding. So you had this huge reception area. I had to dress 25 tables that day. And I was hired as an, as a set dresser mm -hmm. and whoa, it was me and like 10 other people. It was just a lot from like five o'clock in the morning and I had to leave at four o'clock in the afternoon, like left at four o'clock in the afternoon because I got there so early. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, it was an adventure. I actually will never forget that. And Lynn was really nice to give me that chance. Mm -hmm. um, watching a set decorator like her in action, her crew respecting her. Mm. and the authority she had was very inspirational. Mm. Would you want to work on more features or is that kind of the goal is to keep working on bigger and bigger projects? Um, eventually? Yeah. Oh yes. I'm, I'm always looking for new, uh, new projects to work on. Features are great because I definitely do enjoy that longer commitment. Even TV shows that longer commitment like with the last TV show, uh, Titan Games, like I definitely enjoyed that crew. I would say the art crew truly was one of my most favorite art crews I've ever worked with. And the art director, the art director assistant came from LA and they were just so kind to everyone. It was just unbelievable. The set decorator too. It's just like, I did learn a lot regardless on everything that I do. Mm -hmm. um, some people just stay in the TV world. Some people just do just features. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to find like, where do I belong? Do I belong in the TV world? Do I belong in the feature world? Mm -hmm. I definitely do enjoy features because like there's so much more mm -hmm. to it. It just really depends. Like, you know, I've, I've always wanted to work on Ozark. That would be so much fun. I would love to work on this next season of um, Stranger Things if I had the opportunity to. It would be, mm -hmm. it would be at least an eye opener with all the different teams and the groups of people from each show. Definitely learned a lot. You know, I work, I remember working with the crew from Black Lightning, and I was just the PA back then. I remembered everyone's names, because one, it was my job, but two, I had to know everything, and I got to know the art side, I got to know the talent side, and even back then, when I watched how the relationships form in longer term like projects, it, it's like I like that bonding experience versus like, a music video which is shorter you know or passion project you might not see these people ever again it depends on you know there's some people that I have never gotten a chance to see again even if I wanted to it was just like we haven't crossed paths again wow. and that's sad because I'm like oh I remember working with this person and I would love to work with them again yeah so cool so have you had 
So it seems like there's a balance of, um, which is kind of like acting. You come as prepared as you can, but then he's mm-hmm. so prepared to throw everything out the window. Um, like if anything <laughs> changes, what's like been a big, like you've had to like snap in the moment and make like a drastic or like dramatic change to something. Oh man. I won't tell you the name of it, but I'll okay. tell you the situation. Okay, cool. It was a feature film, a major streaming network, and it was shown for a long time, um, for a while. Actually, I think it's still on there right now. It was a feature film that was shot here in Atlanta, um, production company, and a lot of major people were from LA. And there was a few department heads that were, were local, and I was one of them. I was the art director on it. And there was a moment where the prop master was making a prop. What happened was she uh, hurt herself and she needed to go to the emergency room immediately. Um, So I had to not only be the art director, but I had to also finish the prop and give it to the talent. The time was kind of like there was a time crunch. She ran up to me, the prop master, and she asked me, she's like, oh my God, I'm so worried right now. And tears started screaming down her face. And I was like, what happened? And I looked at her hand and I was like, stay right here. Like I put her in a corner. I was like, don't let anyone see you. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, there's blood everywhere. And um, I grabbed like two PAs and I was like, hey guys, you need to clean this blood up before the location people see this. Like, we cannot have blood anywhere. <laughs> Ran to the satin attic and I was like, I need you to come with me right now. And so he, he I put him in the corner with her. And so he took care of her and she grabs my hand and she's like, please don't leave me. And I was like, okay, I won't leave you. And like, you know, the weird thing is the set medic had his assistant, but you know, she wouldn't let me go. So I was just like, okay. So I like calmed her down. I was like, look at me, you know, don't look at your hand. It's fine. It's fine. Like, it's okay. She's like, how bad is it? It's, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Like I'm completely lying to her. Um, and like, I'm still trying to do my job because I know that the scene, so we were outside of a chapel. <laughs> The scene's about to end, and I cannot have the talent and the extras and the more people in the chapel because it's a closed little, it's a small space, and all these people are going to come out. Right now, the production designer didn't know, the leadman didn't know, the producer didn't know, the coordinator, nobody knew because I had two PAs and the medic and me, and I was just like panicking. And then, uh, so all of that happened and like we cleaned up everything and she was carefully taken to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that moment, everybody's like, what happened? And I didn't really want to talk about it because I didn't want to one, make her look bad, but I also didn't want to bring attention to the situation. Mm-hmm. So I only told the producer and the coordinator what really happened, like the full truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, like, we still had to finish the prop, so I had to go finish the prop. And um, I also was like, oh, my gosh, like, I was scared to actually hurt myself 
to be honest, the, the way she was making it, like, I was like, is there another way to make this prop without doing it the same way she was doing it? Mm-hmm. So I had to find that solution. And I, to be honest, I was making a, I was making a Harry Potter one. Okay. <laughs> it was very strange. It was very strange. Like, it's like our version of the wand. And I was just like, okay. So the, like the production designer looked at this and we're like, we need to, we need to stain this wood. Like, I'm like, okay. So I took a bunch of Sharpie. I took red, black, and brown Sharpie, and I started just coloring this wood that we took off of, like, a branch and, like, carved it. And I was like, I carved it into this thing. And they were like, we need detail of, like, where you would hold your hand. I was like, what? (laughs) So I took, like, my multi-tool, and, like, I started taking the the wand, and I, like, started messing with it until I had all these, like, little decorations by the handle. I was like, is this good? enough yet and like covered it with sharpie because I was like all the the PAs there's these PAs that got these wood stainers the wood stainer did not work it just it just was wet and brown and I was like this isn't sticking to the wood I don't know why it wasn't sticking to wood but I was like this isn't the right stainer and we have no time we could use makeup which I started using makeup from my purse three shades of Sharpie and I rolled it in dirt and then I handed it to the talent because it was a hero prop for a dream sequence. It was the funniest and strangest experience of my life. The director didn't know what happened. The talent had no idea what happened. And I would have to say two hours later, Mm -hmm. maybe two or three, the prop master sends her stitches to a group text of everybody in the art department. She's like, my hand's fixed. I can come back to work now. And we're all like, no, no. <laughs> you can't come back. That's an example of just like, like it's um, like, yes, that's great. Nothing's fine. And you have to just kind of keep adjusting with what happens. That's amazing. Yeah, I, like I couldn't panic. I wasn't allowed to panic though. I don't even remember the, well, I do remember the blood now. But in the moment, like, I wasn't thinking about it. Yeah. I didn't even realize I can see that much on someone's hand. <laughs> I honestly thought I would have passed out, but I didn't. Or yeah. I could have thrown up, but I didn't. Like, I guess it was just, like, to be honest, the only thing that was thinking of my mind was, like, the location owner should not see this in any way. Mm-hmm. And then I had four other people to protect along with her sanity to make sure she was okay. Mm-hmm. I was just like, there's just, I can't, I can't do anything right now. I just need to solve this problem as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's everyone's job. Everyone's job on set, no matter if you're an art, lighting, grip, camera, wardrobe, makeup, you have to solve a problem immediately. And you have to think very quick on your feet. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what keeps you the security of your job and why people would hire you again. How mm-hmm. fast can you solve the problem? Does it save time? Um, is it a good solution? Do you move quickly, but consistently? And do you work well under pressure? There's so much to keeping your job in the film industry. There's so much skill. There's patience. There is um, working well as a team. Mm-hmm. There's good leadership skills like so much is required but 
I would have to say every time when people ask me, like, what is one of the most important skills to have? The best one is people skills. Mm-hmm. I would have to say that comes first before anything is having good people skills in your in your department as a overall. Mm-hmm. And, and patience is mm-hmm. definitely something that you will need. Um, and it helps kind of once you have both of those, I feel like you can control stress. You can control how you do things and do it well. Mm-hmm. What What do you think is like a really big misconception about what you do? Oh, the misconception? Yeah. <laughs> I would have to say, I don't think people realize how important art department is yeah. to visual concept of the overall look. The art department is the look. We are in charge of everything that you see of props and background, furniture, texture. The person walks into a room, but the room can never just be empty. Can you imagine an actor walking into an empty room and there's nothing there? What's the story? Mm. And maybe sometimes an empty room does call for certain scenes. Mm-hmm. But where does the room lead you to? What's the next thing? What's the next scene? Mm-hmm. And we love movies not only because of the actors. Mm-hmm. Actors are important, whether they're famous or not. But it's the scenes that are created in a movie. It's the imagination that is pulled. Mm-hmm. And without the art department and having a really good team of people that know what they're doing, but also can create a vision of the DP and the director in a script, a good script. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, like, sometimes you can have a mediocre script, but a really amazing movie. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll have an amazing script, and then the visions are okay because mm-hmm. the right person wasn't hired for it, and that's unfortunate. What's a movie that like you saw it and you were like, like everything that you would want to do is like in there. Um, Have you seen a movie where like the art direction just blew your mind? I have a soft spot for um, movies that are new Mm -hmm. and like the latest movie I actually just saw. It's on Netflix. It's called um, The Half of It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it. I've only seen the trailer, but it's beautiful. Um, It's, It's very beautiful and simple and I love the opener I I wanted to know more immediately Mm. you know that was just maybe my mood for the day Mm. I enjoyed it because it's it's a single parent household she's having a hard time accepting her situation she's quiet and she's smart but she hasn't found her place in the world yet as a teenager and and she's kind of confused who she is. I think everybody went through that. I think they did a very good job in the movie kind of executing that. Also demonstrating something that's representation and a young Asian actor. What, what did you think of like how, um, how it looked, like the art direction and the design of it? Um, what well, do you think they did that helped the movie? It's based on a small town. So I really like that small town vibe. Mm-hmm. I liked how um you know the the scenario of the high school it's kind of that reminiscing high school feeling mm-hmm. i do have a soft spot for a lot of high school movies yeah um, maybe it's it's the same thing with the previous feature that i did with this that dream sequence of the mm-hmm. 
a Harry Potter wand because yeah. I, I grew up in that generation. Yeah. High, when we were doing the high school scene, I loved it. I loved dressing the hallways. I love dressing the girls' room. And I do pay attention to the girls' room, like to, was it, what's that movie? To All the Boys That I Loved. Yeah. That to all the boys I've loved before. That movie's that one, gorgeous. It looks so cool. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The her room, her room. I will never forget. I've seen the movie once, and I will never forget the room because they made it so cool looking, and they made it so exciting. Like I wanted that room as a kid. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, it's it's creating environments like that because when you're when you're looking at characters and you're reading a script, um. I, I will have to say high school scripts are a soft spot for me. It's mm. you're creating in going back in time and seeing like, okay, like what am I going to do that will make this character like stand out? And you're kind of also going in. Well, for me, my process is going into high school and like thinking back on like, what would you have in this room? Mm. Sometimes I've had to execute the, these, this process of like, if I was a teenage boy, what would I have in my room? <laughs> if I was a teenage girl, um, like, you know, am I a Tom girl or, you know, what kind of guy am I? Like, it's like different scripts that, um, will showcase different personalities. Who's the best friend. Do we ever get to see the best friends room? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, I've noticed in some of these where there are like photographs just on the side, but it's like a picture <laughs> of, the friend and a best friend or the dad and the daughter, but the daughter is younger. And I'm like, I'm guessing someone had to change an image digitally. Um, but it's those tiny little details that you notice that are so special. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With, with one of my features as a prop person, um, the prop master, I received, um, in an email, 25 images from the production designer of the actor herself when she was younger from all ages and we had to print out all of these pictures and put them all over the house from like bigger ones and small ones so sometimes you don't really know but sometimes you might see the same picture here and there just different sizes yeah (laughs) because sometimes we won't have enough photos and it's true like if the actors allow us and they signed, um, they signed a form that says, okay, we are allowed to just use these photos only mm-hmm. of her and her mom or her and her dad or something like that. It could still work. We just need the permission. Mm-hmm. And I've done that same thing for commercials too. When I'm dressing someone's basement or when I'm dressing a hallway scene and uh, it is hard. It is really hard. There are also moments where the production will buy stock images mm-hmm. of happy families or a dog or whatever. And we sign the, uh, we just bought these images to use for that scene. Mm-hmm. But the easiest way is sometimes I have put myself in a lot of my projects because I'm just like, I'll just sign my life away because I've been in like, 25 projects Mm -hmm. of me alone in like my life in this show like the things that I do or like because pictures is part of um the usage rights you can't just throw any picture in there and hope for the best sometimes you can some people do it I don't always recommend it like you want to make sure the artwork and the photos uh you have the rights to use it 
Mm-hmm. And so with me, I take so many pictures on my cell phone. Like I just go to CVS and I print off like all these photos of various things, my travel photos, mm-hmm. my, my landscape photos, my abstract, avant-garde, whatever. And mm-hmm. I just give it to the production so I can create a collage in a room that mm-hmm. would work. Sometimes I've blown up some of my images to like an eight by 10 and create something out of it as well. That's so cool. I was gonna, I was actually just about to ask you because um, even from the little snippet of like what I'm seeing behind you and in your job, like you have a style and you have beautiful things and you have an eye for beauty. Have you ever not been able to find a prop and then you're like, I'm just going to use something that you already owned that um, it already existed? Yes, actually that I, I can say that my house, everything that's like up there is yeah. props that I've used. Oh, really? At least five times over. Like this stuff never sits wow. right there, and this stuff doesn't sit right there either. Like I, I use that stuff. I've taken my whole plants. <laughs> there, there is like, there's a, a, a wow. fireplace just plants that I, I just. I just use, uh, there's yeah. so much stuff that I just have. I, I have a lot of fake plants. I have a lot of real plants. Sometimes I've had to make a prop. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I wish I kept this one, but I gave it to my assistant. I made a disco ball. We, okay. The director for this scene, um, he's like, this disco ball is very expensive. We don't have the money to go buy a real one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll just make one. They're like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Like, I think we have time. I can make one. They're like, yeah. okay. I was like, they're like, all right, if you think you can make one, sure. I'll believe you. And I was like, all right. And I was very excited. I went on Amazon and I was like, all right, let's buy those mirrored little squares. Mm-hmm. And um, I, one, I didn't buy enough, which was really funny. It only covered half of it. Mm-hmm. So as, as like one one day before we shot, I was like, oh my God, what do I do? I ran to, ran over to Michael's and I was like, do you have mirrored little squares? And they said, no. And I was like, okay, do you have rhinestones? And they they went over to the rhinestones. So the other half of the disco ball was rhinestones, like all these different stones that match the color palette of, of what I was doing in the scene. And I knew right away, if light hits the rhinestones, that it will still give you the effect no matter what the bottom like so I switched it so the entire bottom part of the ball was the mirrored part and then mm-hmm. the top part was all rhinestones mm. and what I also bought from Michael's was the styrofoam mm-hmm. to go with it and so it was very easy I spent like 20 bucks or like yeah around 20 bucks that's amazing to cover like a ball that was it 12 inches in diameter. Was it 12? No, I think it was 15 inches in diameter. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It's like yeah, this big. And I and it looked so good. I was just like, I honestly didn't know if it was gonna work. Um, but me want to make a disco ball. That sounds and just like hang it in the middle of my bedroom. That's so cool. Yeah, it was simple. It's so simple and easy. Like, you know, you just get those little hooks from um Home Depot or any hardware store and you twist mm-hmm. it into the top part. I covered the whole thing with a lot of hot glue mm-hmm. and then I covered it with rhinestones so you couldn't see the hot glue. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, 
It was crazy. <laughs> you know, because I don't know if you've ever seen prices on disco balls, but they're expensive. Hey guys, me again. I did look up the price of disco balls. I think it depends on what you're wanting, but if you're gonna get like an authentic vintage, then that would cost like in between like $350 to $700. So the fact that she did it for 20 is like amazing. Now back to the interview where I try to go, yes, I too have made something and crafted something. I shot like a little short film of myself. I wanted to like, I wrote something and I was gonna be it and it, it's just me, it's me against the background. I wanted my friends to help me make them because I was like, I'm not creative enough or I don't have, um, I'm not good at cutting it out, it won't look right. And so I ended up cutting these stars out of cardboard and they looked kind of, not crappy, but they were really lopsided and they were covered in glitter. But actually, I think they were 10 times better because they, it had a homemade feeling anyways. And I loved them so much. I've kept them and I hang them above my bed. And I like now, because I made it myself, it, I think it makes it, uh, it adds not actual texture, but you know, it's, I think it's more beautiful than just have bought something yeah. out of the store. Yeah. If the scene calls for it mm -hmm. or, or you think it will actually work, there, there's, there's always three options that I, and I, I learned this in the commercial world, but I also learned this in college. Um, there's what the client wants or what the director wants, depending on your situation. You have that. You're going to do what they want and you're going to do exactly how they want it. Mm -hmm. But then you're going to also do what you want. <laughs> and then the third one is to combine what they want and what you want together so you have three options at least mm -hmm. and if you can do all three options in a scenario that's that's great like you be able to do it as much as you can and and sometimes you know I'll know right away what they want might not work but I'm not going to tell them you never tell anyone that it's not going to work they have to know that it's not going to work and sometimes they might not know right away, but there will be also other people that might like stray them into a better direction. Mm -hmm. That's, that's besides me. There might just, just be other people on the set, like a producer or, or an AD or, you know, or the DP. Everyone will speak up usually on their own terms. Okay. What will work. And, and like, you know, with props, with certain scenarios that are not as like, you know, with something that you have to just kind of make up on the spot. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I'll use an example. This year when I was doing the Cinnabon little mini commercial that's for the uh, for the store, like if you go into Cinnabon, you'll see the, the TV and it'll show a happy little family. The scenario that I was doing is a mother and a son mm -hmm. and he hands her a card. In, in the script that I was reading, he hands her a homemade card. And so I was like, I guess I could draw it. But I immediately thought of, I was like, all right, when I asked the producer, I was like, when does the talent arrive? It's this little boy. He's six years old. He's adorable. I love him. Mm -hmm. And I actually was like, why don't we just have him make the card? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't think I can cut. I mean, yes, I could convey a six years old handwriting if I wanted to, mm -hmm. but it doesn't, it's not going to feel real. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, let's ask him to make a card for his mom because his mom is like right there. Mm -hmm. So I gave him all the markers and all the crayons. And I was like, can you make your mom three cards? And can each of them say I love you in them? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was perfect. The, 
the client loved it. The producer loved it. I loved it because it was real. Even though it was made for his real mom, we used it in his talent mom, mm -hmm. which worked. And it felt authentic. And you got to see the little card in the face. And like, it's like, happy, happy V-Day. Um, inside, it's like, I love you. And it's sweet. It's a very sweet, genuine moment that wasn't forced. Mm. That And I love that because there's, even in like a commercial which is, I mean, so important, but like some people wouldn't think like about getting really, really creative because you're like, oh, it's just a Cinnabon commercial. I'll give them what they want. But you're still using that like imagination and creativity because that's what keeps you motivated, I'm sure, is making everything as special and as um, like meaningful and creative as possible to you. So that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, it's also thinking back on Cinnabon as a family, it's a family company and they, their whole purpose is to make people happy as well with their sweetness and the, the, what you go in there to want to be happy mm -hmm. as well, you know, in this moment, like you're conveying a son and a mother moment. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to also really kind of emphasize that for the for the talent and it, it's all it's all really happy because in the end like the child can take this card home for his mom and everyone just is they get to be happy which that's what I also like is if I can also bring a smile and uh, onto different people's faces in the experience of the first time I get to meet them and yeah. like they leave like I like that I want them to remember the situation so if they come back they will also have another good experience yeah um, to kind of wrap this up, because I could keep just asking you questions. Um, a friend of mine asked me to art direct her short film. Okay, Rebecca, calm down. Uh, she asked you if you maybe wanted to help creatively. She does know that you get over involved, but she didn't say that. I don't, how do what? can you give me like some, um, like a couple, like, because that's why I was like, oh, this sounds so cool. Oh, I don't know what this is. And I text some friends, like, who should I ask advice for? And they were like, oh, I had um, my friend Hannah and then Megan Poole both told me separately, like, oh my gosh, Naomi's the best. Uh, could you give me like a couple tips of like how to start planning what I'm going to do? You want to read the short film. You want to go through each scene when you're reading it and you want to take a take a little notebook and you start writing down, okay, the first page, what props are going on, you know, maybe start writing down what they're wearing in the scenario. Mm -hmm. So when you're in like exterior, um, in front of the house, what's in front of the house? Are there any flowers maybe? Or be like interior living room. What does the living room look like? Have they described it in the script? Like, is there a couch? Um, whose couch is it? Um, is it a man or a woman living there? Is it a couple? You kind of need to know these things. A single girl's home is going to be very different from a married woman's home, you know? Mm -hmm. so you want to feel that out. You want to kind of read the whole script. You want to read it once and not think at all. Mm -hmm. You're just reading the story. Then you go back and you dissect it page by page. Mm -hmm. If colors actually start to pop up, like she's wearing a yellow sundress, is she also wearing a hat? Does she have a purse? Mm -hmm. um, something like that. And where is she going? Mm -hmm. Is she relaxing 
in the on the patio is she on a chair you would need that chair um you know that sort of scenario or like is she drinking coffee outside you would also need a cup will she have a saucer sort of thing um you want to think about the environment in details uh, a lot of scripts sometimes don't describe just everything they they'll just say classroom mm. you know you know John is in a classroom about to study, but then the girl he likes just walks in <laughs> and he forgets it. He, you know, drops his book on the floor because he got startled when she walked in. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, in a classroom scene, there's just, you want to look at all the details mm -hmm. of what's happening. Mm -hmm. Does John have a book bag? What kind of book was it? Is it a heavier book or is it a notebook? Or, you know, maybe he doesn't just drop a book. Maybe you give other options. He could have dropped a pencil because pencils are lighter and it's not going to make as much of a sound. Or you also want to give a couple of options of things that they can interact with. Yes, a director can say they dropped a book. Like, does that book come back? Like, you want to ask those questions. When a prop comes up in a script, how important is it? Does the prop repeat? Your favorite movies... You'll, you'll see that things will come back over and over again. And imagery, your favorite book and movie, there's imagery that comes back, like a bird or a dove or the number nine or flowers. Flowers keep coming back up. Find out if there is movement in the script. You can also suggest later to the director, oh, I saw that you brought this up on page seven. Why don't we bring it back on page 24? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it would make sense if she or he had this prop. Mm -hmm. And you can also make little side notes to make it better and make it your own style, but also really perfect the story. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, they might not take your suggestions, but knowing these little details mm -hmm. helps you become more aware of how to kind of just dissect it and making it into a painting. You need to look at all these date details and how to make it more beautiful every time. Mm. Wow. That's so cool. And I, I like, as you're talking, I'm already kind of like forming. Cause I know that I, she's sitting at one point and now I'm like, is it a bench? Is it a chair? Because like, does she need to be able to lean back? And it's all of those little, <laughs> the, it, exactly. But, um, and I yeah. think also, I'm sure it's helpful to the director because I might be like, oh, it's a chair. And then all of a sudden she can go, wait, no, I don't want a chair. But then now it's clear, no, we don't want it. But maybe she didn't think of it before until I asked that question. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I'm, I'm sure yeah. she'll have an opinion, but it has to be asked first. I always, I always write all of my questions on a separate sheet of paper and I'll go through like, all right, page one, like what's exactly happening? Mm -hmm. And then I will come back in the next meeting with the director and the producer. When I meet up with them again, you're going to have to go through all these questions. It's going to be kind of like frustrating at first because you're like, all right, I've gone through this like mm -hmm. probably three or four times and I'm going to have to go through it a fifth time. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to go through this till it's like painful, mm -hmm. but then it works out when you're shooting because now you know every detail you don't even need to look at your notes because you've thought about it so much mm. and then you then sometimes sometimes you will also whatever thought of that you've planned it might not also work 
just because you put in the movement, that's mm -hmm. the other advice I want to give. It's like, don't hold on to all these ideas for certain. Hold on to it now because it can change. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Like everything is just temporary till they're shooting. Mm -hmm. I forgot to also mention the budget. Yeah. You need, yeah. To, you need to know how much money they have and where you're going to put it towards. Mm -hmm. You need to know if you're going to be buying versus renting. Mm -hmm. Or are you going to do both? You need to split the budget. Mm -hmm. Are you also going to have props that are, um, that are like food? With mm -hmm. food, if you ever bring back food, it gets spoiled. Is the actor going to eat it? Is mm -hmm. it going to be like a cake or pastry or croissant? Is it going to be a bowl of fruit or cereal? You know, if they're eating cereal, milk, you know, makes the cereal all nasty. Mm -hmm. But like fruit, if you have fruit on set, it starts attracting bugs after a while. So you have to kind of also think like anything with food, it's harder. With, with drinks, it's different. Like drinks can sit out there all day and it's usually just fine. Mm -hmm. um, but you also want to really think about when you buy the food, you can't return it. Mm -hmm. If you buy anything at like Target or Walmart, you can return it or Hobby Lobby or Michael's. But when you start buying things, you really have to think about the return policies mm -hmm. and whether you can return it or not. There are certain items that will work and there are certain items that won't work. Mm -hmm. Like um, just know, know the return policies for each store um, as well as have a, a personal little kit that you'll have. Like when you're on set, you might need a pair of scissors. You also might need uh, an X-Acto knife or a blade of some sort. Mm -hmm. um, assorted tape in general is good. Mm -hmm. You should always have Sharpies and pen and paper to write on. I've also learned is I'm never near an outlet, so I, buy, I make sure I carry an extra battery to charge my phone. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I might not be able to charge my phone anywhere. Like, it just depends on the situation. Also, usually outlets are being used for lights, so. Yeah. But, yeah, so you just want to, you just want to make sure that you have basic necessities of what you're going to need. Mm -hmm. And are they going to pay for it, or is it coming out of your pocket? Mm -hmm. that's the that's a very important thing like those items would be called expendables like tape and um I the amount of tape I have like this is what I carry with me hey guys this is Rebecca popping in I would just like to say at this moment Naomi now pulls out a loop of tape on a rope and I think there are like maybe about nine different kinds of tape on this loop very impressive this is this is what I carry with me, and this isn't. This is just one roll that I carry with me on set. I carry at least two of them, and it's uh -huh. just different kinds of tape. Oh my gosh! I have tape that I label all of my items. Uh -huh. I label them with painters tape. Mm -hmm. And when I mean like label, it'd be like scene one. Mm -hmm. uh, this is Hannah's prop. Scene two. This is John's prop. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want people to just pick it up. Mm -hmm. And there, there's moments where you cannot let just anybody pick it up. Like, especially when it, when people see food, they're going to try to eat it. Don't let them eat it. <laughs> um, if Good they rule. see a chair that might be an antique, if it's an antique, you put a big piece of blue tape on there and you're like, do not sit. Yeah. Like, this is not <laughs> for you. Um, but like art department and mm -hmm. be like, 
there's just things that I just I have to make sure that mm. everybody knows or like the table this whole table is a hot set do not put your drinks on here do not mm. mess up my set like or the set as a whole because you're gonna find out really quickly that people just leave water everywhere. water bottles open water coffee cups they're all over your set and it's you who have to pick it up because the PAs will be somewhere else. And I don't know where the PAs are, but they're never cleaning up after the time. Uh, so it's just, you have to make sure that when the director's filming, you don't have a coffee cup or a water bottle in the set. Did you hear about Game of Thrones had this Starbucks cup in front of her in like the first, uh, in like a scene in the most recent season? It, it was just, there was a Starbucks cup at some big feast table. If you don't mind, I'll probably text you and be like, oh, like I don't, yeah, no, that would be so cool. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time, Naomi. I, I messaged um, you and just like instantly you were like, yeah. Sure, let's do it. And I was um, so excited about it. Thank you so much for being patient and really cool. Um, yeah, and once COVID's over, I'd love to get a cup of coffee or something. No, no, that, that'd be great. Okay, that was Naomi. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I could have kept talking to her for, I mean, for like a few more hours. It was so much fun to hear kind of like what an art director does, but then how is that different than um, the, the or creative producer? I, I, I'm still getting them a little mixed up, but then also like the set dressers, the glorified uh, furniture movers, and then also the people that buy everything. It was just so much fun. And also since then I've gone back and watched some of the projects that Naomi has worked on. She is so talented and I was texting her afterwards and I was like, oh, I see your plants and oh yeah, I see how that added to this and does that mean this and wait, do you work on costumes? And she was like, no, that's wardrobe. Um, but uh, yeah, I've learned so much and I hope you have too. Um, yeah, it was so much of a delight and I am glad you listened. Okay, I love you. Bye.